0: From the front office
1: to the hard-hitting action on the field. Breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines. Week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap.
0: Welcome back to the Gridiron on Tap Podcast. Oh boy, Brandon. Do you smell that? (laughs) I smell I smell an upset. Which one? A lot of upsets, Brandon. A lot of upsets. We are here. It's Danny and Brandon. We are recapping week nine's insane football games. What a and we're not even done yet. We still got the Monday night game to go, Brandon. Uh, man, how shocked were you before we even start breaking down some of these games? How shocked
1: were you at the outcome of some of these some of these battles? Well, the, the outcomes I was shocked by, but if you look around the league, some of the game scripts and how the games played out were almost as shocking as the end results in some of these games. I mean, teams left and right just playing completely uncharacteristic. Of how what we've seen to this point in the season, it's very true,
0: very true. I guess uh, before we jump into it, there's. <laughs> did you see the latest headlines? There is more, more craziness going on with the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: <laughs> like, what oh. what what is going on with this team? You know, I, I don't know. I, you saw what happened with uh, John Gruden. And now he's gone and then the unfortunate events of Henry Ruggs and you thought that that would have been enough for one team in, in one year and the Raiders just continue to stay in the headlines.
0: Man, so if, you, if you're if you unaware, um, Damon Arnett, who's a former first-round pick for the Raiders, has been released after a video surfaced of him basically toting around a gun saying he's going to kill somebody. And, yeah, you don't do that. Even if you're not famous, you just yeah you probably shouldn't do
1: that, Brandon. I think that's highly uh highly recommended no, yeah, I mean that that's typically on the do not do list, I would think um but especially if you are a high profile professional athlete, then it becomes like number one on the do not do list, probably, or you know at least in the top half of things you shouldn't do. I feel like the only time it's acceptable
0: to ever say that you're going to kill somebody is if you're opposing them on the football field because they know and everybody knows you don't mean it literally. You mean I'm going to wrap you up and I'm going to slam you into the ground as hard as I possibly can. If you get the ball as, you, as a wide receiver or as a running back, you know, th- that's the only time. And I do feel like that phrase may have possibly not aged well e- anyways to where people probably just don't use that, but God, Man, this Raiders team, Brandon. They cannot. They can't get out of
1: their own way. This is what. This is less than a month and a half between all of these events. I cannot imagine anything else happening. But I, I mean, if you would have asked me, were they done? Like I said a minute ago, I would have thought they would have been out of the headlines the rest of the year, and here we are talking about them again. Here we are. Well.
0: Here we are, Brandon. Week nine is almost in the books. It started off with an absolute banger in Indianapolis between the Jets and the Colts. 45 to 30, the Colts took the victory. And the thing that's funny about that is it was 42 to 10 at one point. And then the Colts basically just like reeled it in, but they almost reeled it in a little bit too far.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you get out to such a big lead. I feel like sometimes you can just take your off of the ball, and and they did. Um, But they let the Jets walk right back into it, and uh, they made it kind of a game towards the end. Yeah. uh, um,
0: Superhero MVP caliber Mike White ended up hurting him. uh, Hurt his hand. Wasn't his hand in the first quarter? I believe you're right, yep. And then uh, Josh Johnson came in, and here's here's what's weird. Josh Johnson throws for 317 yards as a reserve. Didn't start the game. He played the majority of it. I'll give him that. But he throws for 317 yards. Mike White, the week before, breaks 400 yards. How come the only quarterback that can't seem to get the job done on the field is their – Supposed to be franchise future quarterback Zach Wilson.
1: It's a great question. And if you're a Jets fan, you've got to be asking yourself that right now as well. Um, because I think everything I've read is that Wilson should be ready to get back into the lineup in the next couple of weeks. And at this point in time, with all of the yardage that the other quarterbacks are putting up, are you looking forward to that? I mean, I, interesting situation to say the least.
0: Yeah, it's, it is it is very interesting because Josh Johnson comes in, has 41 attempts, throws 317 yards, three touchdowns, a pick. He has a pass rating of 103.4 in a losing effort, and I know some of that's garbage time, but at the end of the day, if you're on offense and you're down, I don't care about garbage time. I'm playing for the full sixty minutes. If my opponents opt to reel it in and sort of quit on the game, that's on them. That's not on me. I'm going to keep going. People used to chastise Matthew Stafford about this all the time in Detroit. Stat Padford, you know, he gets all these garbage time stat. Who cares? You play sixty minutes. There's not a mercy rule in football.
1: It's not little league baseball. Well, right, and and not only that, but. You know, your job as the quarterback is to run the offense. So, you know, if you're running the offense and that results in a lot of yards, that shouldn't be looked at as a negative thing regardless of when it comes. I mean, Josh Johnson was the fourth. He threw for the fourth most yards this week. Yeah. (laughs) that's It's crazy.
0: (laughs) That says something. Yeah, that definitely says something, Brandon. Uh, How about Jonathan Taylor getting it done on the ground again? This is like... Exactly what we saw last uh, last season from him. Slow start to the season, and then just puts the pedal to the metal. And 172 yards on 19 carries. Guy averaged 9.1 yards a carry, Brandon. Yeah,
1: Jonathan Taylor is a beast, man. He's so fun to watch run. He had a 78-yard run for a touchdown. I mean, th- this guy's doing it all. He's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's just running all over the place. Yeah, it was against the Jets, but... Once again, we just talked about uh, completing passes and then racking up yards that way. When you get the ball in your hands as a running back, your goal is to pick up yards, uh, regardless of who the opponent is. And those mm-hmm. 172 yards came off of just 19 carries. That is insane. Yes, that's the, that's the crazy part to me is that
0: he didn't – I mean, 19 carries is still a lot. Like, Don't get me wrong. But you average, when you average nine point one on nineteen carries, like that's just insane. You know, I know he had the seventy eight yard run, which does help that average a lot. But he was still doing work to keep that to keep that average up to almost ten yards a carry. Man, that's just incredible work by Jonathan Taylor and this Colt offense. I mean, Naeem Hines had a great game too. He had seventy four yards, I believe, on the on on the ground as well.
1: Yeah. um you know, I think that this uh, Indianapolis offense has really surprised me. Just Carson Wentz looks like he's returning to his former self uh, that we saw in Philadelphia. You've got Jonathan Taylor, who everybody expected these types of games out of. But then you're looking at, you know, all of the receivers. The receivers had a pretty nice game. You've got, um, you know, just Michael Pittman Jr., who continues to be a beast on the field. Only five receptions for 64 yards, but he still grabbed a touchdown and, and still made the plays that he needed to make. You know what's
0: crazy is the season that Michael Pittman is having, five catches for 64 yards does equate to he only had five
1: receptions for 64 yards, which that's,
0: that's a great stat line for like half of the NFL.
1: Definitely. I think that we're in a season right now, though, where we're – we were watching Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase. These guys go for 200 yards and over a game. So, you know, you say things like five receptions for 64 yards, and it's it, it minimizes it almost. But when you watch the play on the field, he plays just as big of a role in his offense. He He's like a vacuum. Whenever there's a ball around, he's grabbing it. He's, he has minimal drops. And he's moving the chains, it seems like, on almost every reception.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, how about the Cleveland Browns going into Cincinnati and taking care of business in an AFC North showdown 41-16 to led by the above-average Baker Mayfield, quote-unquote, Steve Smith Sr. <laughs> I mean, you drop Odell, who's a negative Nancy, and – He's been viewed as a cancer to teams basically since his rookie season. You get rid of him and, oh, by the way, you took out possibly the top team in the entire AFC in a big way.
1: Yeah, and once again, we just we talked about one running back who just looked ridiculous. You know, Nick Chubb, I, I said he did not look good in that first game back and I'll stand by that, but man, did he – make me look silly. I would like to personally apologize to Nick Chubb. You are still the man and he himself had a 70 yard run and north of a hundred yards, uh, carrying the ball. So these Cleveland Browns, you know, they are no joke. They're not to be messed with.
0: No, they're, they're definitely not. And it's, I'm I'm happy to see them firing back a little bit you know, because when you go through a situation like you did with Odell Beckham and your superstar supposedly superstar wide receiver is causing problems even even if it's not just the receiver, but anybody, right if if somebody on the team that's supposed to be in a powerful role, a pivotal positional player and they're causing problems and headaches in the locker room and with the media and so on and so forth, like a lot of times teams will kind of derail, you know, and thankfully for the Cleveland Browns, they, they didn't derail. They rallied, you know, the, the Raiders, we'll talk about the Raiders later, but you know, and the Raiders have been doing the same thing for the most part as well, but it's, man, this Cleveland Browns team is the real deal, man. Now that they're starting to get healthy again, they just need, they need somebody other than Donovan Peoples-Jones to be able to catch the ball because Jarvis Landry is leaving much to be desired on the reliability factor when it comes to grabbing footballs that are passed to him.
1: Yeah, and, and hanging on to the ball. He had a fumble as well. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to think that this offseason, Cleveland is going to revamp that receiver room. I think that they've got some good pieces there, but you know with Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones and you know, some of these up-and-coming receivers, but I think that they need a true alpha in that locker room.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Baker Mayfield only threw 21 passing attempts. He connected on 66%, which is 14 completions for 218 yards. Jarvis Landry led the he led the team in both targets and in receptions, 5 targets, 3 receptions, but that's still 3 receptions for 11 yards is a Jarvis Landry stat line. Like, I get it that, you know, you and I talk about it every week. Game scripts changed. Um, you know, obviously Nick Chubb was the hot hand for the game. Dearness Johnson got eight carries. He couldn't really get much going, but it didn't matter because Nick Chubb was the man when it came to this game. But you've got to be able to rely on on doing something when it comes to the passing game. If it's not for people's Jones. Having that sixty yard that that sixty yard touchdown grab, Baker Mayfield's stat line is is floating around a hundred and fifty passing yards.
1: Yeah, pedestrian at best. Um, you know it's 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 kind of an interesting case because they're able to dominate the time of possession with the way that they run the ball, and Baker doesn't really have to do anything. I think that we have seen throughout the season though. He has been hooking up with uh Donovan Peoples-Jones on those long touchdown, you know, run after the catch type plays, but if they fall behind in a game, it makes you wonder, you know, what that offense looks like.
0: Yeah, can they put up can they put up points in bunches? Uh, we, we just we we don't know the 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 way that the Browns offense looks currently is that if they need a quick score, they need to hope that there's a big hole that opens up for Nick Chubb and he can just truck it down the field in one in one run,
1: yeah, I mean, the good news is is I feel like they do get a dimension of their offense back um you know once they get some people back from injuries and things like that. Kareem hunt's gonna be a huge addition back to this team catching the ball out of the backfield and you know, like I mentioned, Rashard Higgins, it he's he's a guy, but he's a guy that's shown you know flashes of making plays in the past. So, hopefully, they get some guys in here that can actually, you know, step in and and make it a more balanced offense. Because I don't know that just lining up Nick Chubb and and hoping that he's going to run for a seventy-five yard touchdown, I. <laughs> That's, I don't know if you you can hope for that, or I don't know if you can plan for that.
0: <laughs> right. It's yeah. Um, Carolina still doesn't know what they're they. I, I don't even know what to think about the Carolina Panthers anymore. I just think that, honestly they're probably just a bad team that was wearing a they they were wearing a facade for the first three weeks of this season. Brandon, uh, <laughs> the Patriots went down to Carolina. They are now five and four on the season after winning 20, 24 to six over the Panthers, and they got Christian McCaffrey back,
1: and didn't really make a whole lot of a difference, man. So I'm I'm really curious about this Carolina team, or I should say, I'm baffled and confused because here they are, like you said, it's it's almost like they faked us out, you know? Gotcha, you know? After a few weeks, Sam Darnold looked like a different guy. DJ Moore was the best receiver in the league or looked like it. And so many different things. Their run defense was number one in the league at one point in time with a pass defense that wasn't too far behind it. And New England comes in, runs for over 150 yards in this game. I, I just, I am so confused as to how this team has completely swung the other way. It, It blows my mind. I'm I'm baffled.
0: Yeah, I mean, outside of you, you take away Christian McCaffrey, he had what 106 total uh, yards from scrimmage, and you take that away, and you're you're (laughs) you're looking at not a good day at all. Sam Darnold had a, you know what Sam Darnold's passer rating was, Brandon? Oh, um, twenty six (laughs) point three. Wow, that's rough. Sixteen of thirty-three for a buck seventy-two, three picks
1: and no touchdowns. He had a fumble too, didn't that's he? That's bad. Yes, he did have a fumble. I think too. they recovered it, but still, I—that's I, you're not going to win games when you're putting the ball in jeopardy that much.
0: Right. I mean, I I feel like the big take home for me from this game was the Panthers still. Have de have have decent defensive numbers, right? Like if you if you compare them to where they are as far as like especially running, they've got decent defensive numbers. Ramondre Stevenson had 62 yards on 10 carries. Brandon Bolden had 54 on eight. Damian Harris had 30 on 15. New England used all three of their running backs and outside of damian harris who was a little bit banged up coming into the game outside of him having a 2 yard uh average new england just worked them all over the place with a plethora of running backs
1: and they couldn't they they had no answer for it right and this was a supposed strength of this defense at one point in time in the season it's i, I don't understand how a team falls from grace that much in just a couple of weeks. I don't think they know either,
0: Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the problem is they don't know where the, I, I listened to Matt rule joins uh serious NFL radio every single week after, after their games and he kind of says the same stuff all the time. The The rah-rah, we're going to get things going. We're going to dissect game film, implement changes, yada, yada, yada. We're going to lose again on Sunday. Like that's <laughs> a wrench-wash-repeat for the Carolina Panthers, it seems. Well,
1: and as bad as uh, Sam Darnold played, he got an MRI on his shoulder and is considered day-to-day or week-to-week as well. Um, so you may be looking – It could be a blessing in disguise. It, it, it could be. Or it could go the other way, man. This team could be even in worse shape, if you can believe that.
0: Oh, boy. That's hard to imagine. Um, how about Justin Tucker getting it done again? <laughs> Baltimore wins 34-31 over the Minnesota Vikings in overtime on the leg of one Justin Tucker.
1: Can we give this guy the MVP? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um you know, I'm still pulling the knife out of my heart from uh the kick he made against the Lions, but this guy is he is he the best kicker of all time? He's got to be up there. I think he's the most accurate of all time. That's you know, I think that
0: uh, and I w- I w- I would probably make an argument for him being the best of all time. If you're the most if you're the most accurate of all time, Maybe he's maybe he's just behind Nick Folk, but Nick Folk has been bad these last couple of seasons, so his percentages may have dropped. Got to be honest with you,
1: Brandon. I don't really
0: follow the kicker stats too too closely.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, but I do think you're right. I think he is the most accurate of all time, if I remember right. Um, but he's also got the longest kick of all time too. So, yep. you know, I mean... It if you're the most accurate and you can kick it the furthest as well, that at least has to earn you some votes, right?
0: I you know I would uh, I put some I if he keeps doing this, I would be I I would be willing to put down a few bucks on him on our friends at OldBetMGM.com. I would put some money down on him and say you know what, it'll never happen. But in the off chance that it does, like why? in theory why couldn't you know why is the mvp award basically a quarterback award why don't we just say best quarterback in the league like get rid of the mvp altogether because you just
1: give it to quarterbacks yeah yeah i mean it it's tough because quarterback is the most important position on the field but to your point i feel like they just rubber stamp it and make most of those awards you know, gift wrap for quarterbacks. So, you know, you're right. I I think that there could be a different category for some of these guys that maybe, you know, wouldn't be considered up against a quarterback for some of these postseason awards.
0: Yeah, like I look at like, and it's just fitting that we're talking about the Ravens. And I know Lamar Jackson is a quarterback, but Lamar Jackson is the epitome of an MVP. If he goes down, they lose 120 rushing 120 rushing yards yesterday. They lose 266 passing yards. They lose three touchdowns. But it's a constant with him. If he goes down, that's a different team. And to me, that's what the MVP award should be all about is you're the most valuable player. Like, that's what that means to me. If Aaron – Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, but like use Derrick Henry. Now I know the Titans got it done last night against the Rams, but the Titans are nowhere near the same team without Derrick Henry on the field. And it's not even close to their uh, on
1: offense. No, not at all. And you you're, you're speaking of MVPs. I mean, I think Derrick Henry definitely had a great case for it g- going into the game he got hurt. They they were just putting the offense on his shoulders and just running him ragged. Yeah, they put too much weight on his feet. Yeah, and uh, Justin Tucker is the career leader in field goal percentage with 90.828% <laughs> field goal. Talk about man. automatic.
0: That's automatic. That's what that is. That's like Ray Allen
1: at the free throw line, automatic. <laughs> Yeah, i mean you know, and you know they're going to kick it from everywhere too. So that's the thing. It's it's not like, you know, he's kicking these field goals from inside the twenty-five yard line. You know, he's booting these things fifty plus, and, yeah, I mean, for my money, I think he's the best kicker of all time.
0: I yeah, I agree with you. Um, Man, this was a great game to watch. This was a very close game, obviously, of course, because it went into overtime, but. I mean, Lamar Jackson, had he only had a pass rating of 88, 88.1. He had two picks. Uh, he was sacked three times. But 121 rushing yards, 120 rushing yards, and his long was only 12. Like, how many designed runs is Lamar Jackson going to run every single game until defenses figure it out? Did, did you see the play where he – was running, and he fumbled the ball in the air, caught it, spun around,
1: and gained four yards? I did. I did. It, you know, Lamar Jackson is just so fun to watch, and I'm so glad that he's been throwing the ball well uh, this year as well. But what he can do with the le- his legs is insane. But yep, it's special. I, I think what, he, what gets lost here, though, is he also, Marquise Brown was the... Second most productive wide receiver this week, and who throws him the ball?
0: Um, let me see, oh, Lamar Jackson, yeah,
1: and you know so <laughs> there's there's been this you know narrative that Lamar Jackson doesn't get it done through the air that that those fantastic runs that we see and and, and are so captivating to watch that that is his sole way of producing offense, and this year he's proving that that's not the case.
0: Yeah. I mean he's nine catches for Hollywood Brown, five for Rashad Bateman, five for Mark Andrews, three three for Picard, two for Duvernay. He's getting the ball. He's passing it around everywhere. Um Devonta Freeman had a great game. Thirteen for seventy-nine. We had a Le'Veon Bell sighting. Eleven carries for 48 yards. I think we're we're seeing though who their lead back is turning into as they're leaning more heavily on Devonte Freeman. And he seems to be panning out a little bit better, but it's just, it's crazy. It really is to to watch this team. And I, we say this almost every week to see all of these former thousand yard rushers in the twilights of their career. Now, you know they're in their golden years, essentially, when it comes to being an NFL running back. They're getting ready to play bridge, <laughs> right. and they're still getting it done a little bit on the field. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, and so it's fun to see that. And you know, I, I just want to go back to Lamar Jackson just for one second more. He's you made a point that you know how are these defenses not stopping design runs, and you, you know how to play Lamar Jackson, Danny. Minnesota was up 24-10 in the third quarter this game. And so Lamar Jackson did all of this when you know we we talked about garbage yards and garbage time earlier. There there was never any of that. He he just got it done. Much
0: like his fourth quarter comeback against the Colts which everybody wanted to discredit. Right. Yeah, but he came back against he came against the Colts. He did that against the Colts. Doesn't matter. The Colts are 5 and 4 now. Right. The Colts are getting ready to take over the AFC South. Yeah. I I mean, like, let's call a spade a spade. The Colts were not indicative of their record at the time. No. Uh,
1: yeah. Lamar Jackson's just good, period. He really is. And, you know, we talked about Justin Tucker, potential MVP. This Baltimore team is in trouble if Lamar were to go down. Oh, 100%.
0: Uh, the Giants beat the Raiders. This is the first time the Raiders have not bounced back from adversity this season. Giants won twenty three to sixteen. It was an ugly game all around. It really was. Back you had back to back interceptions to uh, late in the fourth quarter from both Daniel uh, Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. Devontae Booker looked okay. It it wasn't the it wasn't a great game from the Raiders, but it was just the Giants played a little less bad is really what it boiled down to.
1: Yeah, they were they were playing hot potato with the football, and it just made for an ugly game. Um, you know, I I don't know that the Raiders were ever going to live up to their hot start either, but I also didn't see them swinging. this direction or this far the other direction either it's this was an ugly game um and you know I, I think that Las Vegas did everything in their power to lose it
0: yeah I mean they they really did and the Giants are still getting it done with a with a patchwork offense that's the thing that's the most notable for me is they hung in there with the Chiefs whether whether we like it or not, the the Chiefs are the Chiefs. You have to give them, you have to respect them based off of what they've done with the same roster in the past. You know, we talk about it all the time. The Chiefs are probably done. At least this season is over. Maybe they have, maybe they finally bounce back next season. But the Giants hung in there with the Chiefs. They got it done against the Raiders. Who, I mean, the the Raiders are still five and three. You know the Raiders are a good team. The Raiders are a winning team. They're two games above five hundred, so it's an upset for the Giants to win. No say, no Saquon Barkley, no, no Sterling Shepard. Kadarius Tony got banged up yet again, missed some time during the game, and it's just I don't. I think this Giants team is better than a three and six team. Is what it boils down to.
1: Yeah, they're. So uh, there's such an enigma, you know, you're looking at these stats and Kadarius Tony, one reception, Uh, Kenny Galladay, their big free agent signing, two receptions. Like you're looking around at this offense and it's like you said, they're, they're doing it through patchwork and somehow it's, it's working out for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's all you can say about it. Um they're on a bye next week so they'll probably get um Saquon Barkley back for week 11 which will be good for them and hopefully they can get Sterling Shepard back on the field cuz then we can actually see what this Giants team is made of as we as we pull into the latter half of the of the regular season. Atlanta with the upset. Is it a- they're 4-4 four and four now, so they're a 500 team. I don't even know if it's really considered an upset anymore when you've got Trevor Simeon <laughs> starting as your quarterback for New Orleans. But nonetheless, they won 27-25, last second field goal. You knew it was coming when you saw them get in field goal range. We've seen this way too many times this season of just kickers not missing field goals unless it's to win the game if it's already tied. Then they miss and it goes to overtime. Like we've seen that countless amounts of times this season. Definitely, but if it's for the win, it's pretty much in. And same, same thing for Atlanta. Um, Trevor Simeon didn't look great. Twenty-five of forty-one is not great. He had two touchdowns. He had no interceptions. He did lose a fumble. Um. They were just really, they, they couldn't get it done, and this is the thing that we've seen from New Orleans all season. Is it not, Brandon? of just if you can't get Alvin Kamara going, you're pretty much screwed on the offensive side as the New
1: Orleans Saints.: Yeah, well, I think that that New Orleans has a recipe that they have to go by, and they did that this game, and that's get Alvin Kamara involved and have him involved a lot. he had 13 carries um, only 50 yards on the ground, but he still got the ball in his hands 13 times running it through the tackles. But then in the receiving game, he was targeted seven times. He caught four of those for 54 yards. I think that, you know, and you see it almost in, in Carolina with McCaffrey. And I think that these are two guys that, and you referred to them last time as gadget backs. And you've got to, get the ball in their hands as much as possible. I still think that getting Mark Ingram back involved in this offense to take you know some of those harder runs off of Kamara's plate, I, I think that the Saints can continue to produce in doing that and really take a, a load off of uh, Simeon's shoulders or Taysom Hill or whoever, whoever ends up throwing the ball for him yeah I mean
0: 13 to nine that's a good split, right like Kamara for the most part for his first for his first three seasons while Mark Ingram was in New Orleans was kind of split. I think he saw a maximum of 47% of the offensive snaps while Ingram was there. Um, 12 targets, nine catches between the two of them. I, I don't know if if Simeon checked it down a little bit too much and couldn't get the field opened up a little bit more. I don't know if that was the issue where it was, okay, like last week I didn't really use Alvin Kamara at all. It was the, That's the Jared Goff effect, is it not? Right. I missed TJ Hawkinson all week last week. I'm going to throw him the ball 47 times today. <laughs> You guys just, you leave everybody else wide open. This guy's going to get the ball. And that's kind of how it felt for a little bit of this game with Alvin Kamara of, oh, hey, you're still in your block. Well, the ball's coming your way anyway. You know, how many times did you look back and see Alvin Kamara and his grill smiling back at Trevor Simeon? Like, what are you (laughs) doing, dude?
1: Yeah, I mean, it... High percentage throws is, I think, what they're trying to put on Simeon's plate. And like you said, 12 targets for nine receptions going to the running backs. I think that's a recipe that that they love in New Orleans. You know, Sean Payton's shown it for years now. And it... I I don't know. I think that you've got to do everything you can just because you... I don't know if you want Trevor Simeon throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, I
0: mean, I I think his... He was five for five with Mark Ingram. He missed Kamara three times, yep. which is, I mean, because Mark Ingram is not a back that you really account for when he's in there. You don't, you don't think that he's going to be the pass catching back. So, so that's understandable. If you have a hundred percent completion rate to to Mark Ingram when he's on the field, you assume he's going to run. You don't assume he's going to run a route, right? Uh, Deonta Harris, he got it going six receptions for 52 yards outside of Alvin Kamara. He was actually Traquan Smith with his 53 yards was, was number one overall, but three receptions like it's just, he didn't really get, he had a lot of targets, but they were all, they're all like Drew Brees esque, like six yards.
1: And that's about it. Yeah. And I think that, Once again, I mean, I don't know if you want Marquez Callaway flying down the field, you know, and and Trevor Simeon bombing a 50 yard pass to him. I think that we're gonna see little slants and little out routes. And, you know, people have accused Michael Thomas of of just running slants, you know, as Drew Brees started to get up there in age. So it might just be Sean Payton not wanting anybody but Jameis Winston to air that ball out.
0: Yeah, stick with what works,
1: and uh, but when you're playing against that anemic Atlanta
0: defense, Brandon, you've got to air it out a couple times. You have to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Atlanta has had a bad pass offense for or defense for how long now? It's been years, and I'm with you. You know, you can definitely attack that Atlanta pass defense, and um, I think they tried to. But I, tr- I think that they tried to do it through yards after the catch, you know, get the ball in their hands mm-hmm. and see if you could break a tackle. But um, it, it just wasn't enough as Cordero Patterson got the last laugh.
0: They did. Uh, Miami beat the Houston Texans 17 to 9. This wasn't even close. Tyrod Taylor threw three picks in his return game. I attribute that just to rust. Tyrod Taylor is smarter than those decisions. Jacoby Percet had to take over for Tua, as my esteemed colleague, Mr. Brandon Gunn, informed me because I did not catch what happened with Tua. Um, how about Miles Gaskin being the leading rusher of the game with 34 yards, Brandon?
1: <laughs> Man, how tired is he going to be? I'm exhausted for him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, you've got Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball for 43 times. This this was an ugly game. This was a brutal game to watch. And you know, much like the Giants Las Vegas game, it was almost a, a battle of you know, can Miami hang on to this lead <laughs> that they built? But I don't feel like either team won the game. I feel like they just you know, both kind of played until the time ran out.
0: Yeah, it was like a battle of who wants to
1: lose more. Right.
0: <laughs> That's the way I looked at it.
1: Yeah, which I yeah. I, I think going into this game, I don't think either of us were going, Oh man, you know, Houston and Miami play, circle that one on the calendar, but it it, it was well, I guess it's what you'd expect out of a two and seven and a one and eight football team playing each other.
0: Brandon technically
1: Technically, you and I did circle this game
0: last week. At least I circled it on my game of skip (laughs) when we go through our previews. (laughs) So it was circled, technically. (laughs) Um, Another game that we said to skip was (laughs) Buffalo and Jacksonville. And you could have skipped it, and you wouldn't really have missed much, except the Jags got the upset in the battle of the field goals, as Brandon called it, and his – uh. Post game report on Gridiron on tap nine to six. The only interesting thing for me in this entire game was the Josh Allen Josh Allen
1: scenario. That was it. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoyed the whole Josh Allen on Josh Allen thing during the game, I thought it was clever and funny and everything. But man, I, I feel like I haven't stopped hearing about it since that game has ended. I feel like Uh,
0: that's because, you know what? Because that's the only thing that you could talk about for that (laughs) game.
1: Oh, man. There was nothing. This game, out of all the games that we've, you know, kind of talked about as as being uh, sleepers, you know, this was a snooze fest. And that's too bad because it makes you almost wonder, and this is an angle that I also had in, in the piece that I wrote, did Jacksonville or did some of the defeats that you know we've seen or some of the close games that we've seen Buffalo play, so Buffalo has three losses now. Is there a template to beat the Buffalo Bills now?
0: It, it sure looks like it because all three of their losses have come
1: in similar fashion. So here I know you and I had talked early on and in terms of power rankings and things like that, we, we were just talking about how Buffalo was potentially the class of the AFC. And after, you know, last last game could very well be one of those games and we talk about it every week. That, you know, the coaching staff for Buffalo is just gonna take this game tape, throw it in the fire, pretend it never happened, and move forward. But when you have too many of those games in a season, then it becomes part of your identity and not, you know, playing outside of yourself. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next couple of games because I believe they play the Jets next. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how some of these teams that cannot stack up from a talent perspective can maybe do something through coaching that they have no business doing against Buffalo
0: the thing that's going to be interesting for the Jets game is that this is the game. Zach Wilson is supposed to come back and play. If, if I'm Robert Sala, I don't think, I think Zach, Zach is my third option for this game. If I'm being honest, because the Buffalo Bills right now are wounded, and you want to take advantage of that. You you don't want Zach Wilson possibly throwing four interceptions on four straight passes, right? You don't want that because it could happen. It has already.
1: Right. And, you know, it's not like the Jets have a great line. I mean, they're, they're in the middle of the pack in terms of their pass blocking abilities, but – I don't know if you want to subject <laughs> your middle of the line offensive line to a top 10 Buffalo Bills rush defense, you know, in terms of getting to the passer, I, their, their pass rush is top 10. We've seen what they can do in terms of coverage. You know, they're going to have those receivers blanketed. They're number one on pro football focus. They're the number one graded secondary in coverage, and to your point, I don't know if you say Zach Wilson, welcome back. Here's Buffalo.
0: I can't. I like. Yeah, I. I personally, I could not. If I'm in, if I'm in those shoes, I can't. I. I. You have to go with the hot hand, and maybe it. Maybe it deflates his his ego a little bit. You know, brings. Maybe that makes him feel some type of way about the team going, "Man, they they don't they don't trust. No, they don't trust you. You've not given them any reason to trust you. Mike White put on a performance that you probably could not have done. And I know it's it's easy to sit here and and talk about things in hindsight, but Zach Wilson hasn't shown us what Josh Johnson showed us or Mike White has shown us. Like th- he hasn't. You know, none of the rookie quarterbacks this season have played well. And so it's not just
1: him. No. You know, we've got to remember, and I think fans forget this sometimes, you know, just because Trevor Lawrence was drafted first overall does not mean he's going to come in and be a top five quarterback. What Joe Burrow did in his rookie year last year is not the norm. You know, what what Patrick Mahomes did in his rookie year, not the norm. You know, these guys come in. And they don't always just hit the ground running. These defenses are complex. The offenses that they have to run are complex. And not to mention, you know, if you're a college quarterback, let's say you're Trevor Lawrence and you're playing for Clemson, well, he got to meet up against Alabama multiple times. All of these NFL teams are Alabama on steroids. So even the best. Football players coming out of college, the game's going to be bigger, stronger, faster, and you've got to be smarter so mm-hmm. you've got to have patience with these young quarterbacks and we talked about a while back it was a couple podcasts ago the scenarios of what was better for a rookie quarterback. Is it better to have the team built around it? and then you buy the and then you draft the quarterback, or do you draft the quarterback and then build it around his skill set and I think we've seen Way too many quarterbacks come in, get hit, get hit a lot, and then they get a little gun shy, and next thing you know, they're hearing footsteps.
0: Yep. You you hit the nail right on the head with with, with all of that. So I guess we'll we'll find out in just a few short days here. But um how about the cowboys skunked at home until 6:32 left in the game as the Broncos were up 30 to 0. And this Broncos team was they they were done, right? They traded Von Miller away. They've given up all hope for the season. They're looking ahead towards the future. And oh, by the way, we're going to drop a 30 bagel on <laughs> on Dallas. And the only points they're going to get are oh, garbage time. Garbage time. There's that. There's that phrase again, Brandon. Two touchdowns. Well, a Zeke run and a Dak run. Yeah,
1: that, Danny. There was a lot of garbage time collectively throughout the NFL this week. And oh, yeah. uh, this. I mean, four quarters of garbage time is what this game looked like, unless you were the Denver Broncos. They've got Javante Williams, who is he had a little bit of a coming out party. I'm. I'm still interested that they're giving him almost the same workload as Melvin Gordon. You know, Melvin Gordon's doing okay or doing pretty well, mm-hmm. but you can't – Like you, just the eye test for Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, he looks like a young Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah, he does. He really does the, the running style everything. The way you even carry even the way he carries the ball while he's running,
1: yeah. I, so, but yeah, they just dominated from from the word go, and I don't think I definitely did not have the game playing out like that. No,
0: i i, I would have I would have not been shocked had it been thirty to sixteen in favor of Dallas, but I am completely shocked that it's th- that was thirty to sixteen in favor of Denver, especially with the way that Dallas has looked. You know, Dak didn't play terribly, but I feel like they've focused so heavily on the run these last handful of games and they couldn't get it going on the
1: ground that it became almost like scramble mode. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they got behind early um, by a couple of scores, and for some reason, they just could not put their passing game together. I mean, you look at C.D. Lamb, nine targets turns into two receptions. Amari Cooper, five yeah. targets turns into two receptions. You know, th- these are their playmakers. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They they should be getting Michael Gallup back in their next game, mm-hmm. which if he comes back, he's he's a very good receiver, and I wouldn't be surprised. I believe he's a free agent at the end of the season. Yep. Yes. He, he could go. How how much would Cleveland love to have him as an alpha?
0: I'm I'm sure that they would be uh, head over heels for Michael Gallup on the Browns roster.
1: Yeah, it just makes you wonder what this uh, passing offense is going to look like with the return of Gallup. And I, I think that if you're a Cowboys fan, you can be frustrated at this result, but these games are going to happen throughout the season. I don't think that this is a situation like Buffalo has had where you know you're you're having to do some soul searching afterwards. I think that this is a legitimate throw the tape in the fire type of game and I think that Dallas will be fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And I, I you know, CD Lamb was was questionable all week. They weren't sure if he was a game time decision to play. So if you're if you're passing the ball to a game time decision nine times, your your outlook is probably not going to be too favorable. Right. Uh, the Chargers got it done in Philly against the Eagles, twenty-seven to twenty-four, and I'm pretty sure everybody thought that this would be the outcome, at least with the Chargers taking the win. I don't know if uh, anybody had it as close. I think you may have had a clo- uh, close game. If memory serves me correct on our preview show, you had this as a close game, and it
1: certainly was. Yeah, so I did have it as a close game, but so did Vegas, which w- was really surprising to me. And I didn't understand that. That always worries me that it's a little bit of a trap if, you know, Vegas has, I want to say at one point in time, if not even at kickoff, Philadelphia may have been favored.
0: Uh, that, you know, that's, that's honestly, that is entirely possible that it, that it swayed that way. So
1: it's uh, it, it was, it was a close game. This game was a good bounce back game for Justin Herbert, which he needed one. He had a couple of rough outings previous to this game. So it was good to see him get back. Um, You know, you've got Austin Eckler, who, you know, just continues to be a huge part of this offense, even at his age. Um, you know, he's starting to get up there a little bit. And man, you know, Keenan Allen, 13 targets, 12 receptions, 104 yards. He's, he's back. back. Absolutely.
0: But he's also back at the expense of Mike Williams. That's the that's the issue that that I've noticed looking at it. You know, Mike Williams was number one for all of their other games. He was their number one receiver for seven out of eight games and kind of non-existent two receptions on five targets for 58 yards. And Oh, by the way, 49 of those yards came on one catch.
1: Yeah. So um, a big thing going into this game, I was curious how it was going to play out because there's a guy by the name of Darius Slay, as some Detroit lions fans may, may know. And I forgot all about him. <laughs> he <laughs> is having a phenomenal year. And yes. by all accounts they were just going to put him on Mike Williams' heads up and it I mean you could see who won that battle.
0: Yeah, I mean it, if you're throwing the ball up that's not a 50-50 ball though. If you're throwing the ball high, Mike Williams is like 6 6. Mike Williams is so much taller than any quarter, cornerback that could match up with him. You have to give him the opportunity to climb the ladder and pull the ball down cuz that's not a 50-50 ball. That's probably a 70-30, 75-25
1: just because of the height advantage that he has. Yeah. Yeah, he's strong, he's fast, he you know, he's tall. He can jump out of the gym. So you would think that you know he would be able to get up there and, and, and climb the ladder for those, like you said, and you know you, that you'd see a few of those per game. But I mean, I guess if Keenan Allen is running, he runs, if he's floating around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he runs such crisp routes. He's got to be a top three route runner in the league.
0: Yeah, I would say he's probably you know Devonte Adams. I think is still number one, but he's got to be top three.
1: But you know, this game was, I, I think, how both of us thought it would play out. Um, and the the better team won the game. Yeah. Speaking of the better team winning the game, Brandon,
0: Cardinals took care of business in San Fran 31-17 without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't know if you saw the news, without Chase Edmonds because he has a high ankle sprain and will not be playing probably for a couple of weeks as they don't go on a bye until week thirteen.
1: Oh man, yeah. I mean this uh th- this game once uh, th- I didn't see this game playing out the way that it did at all. You know, you, you tell mm-hmm. me we're gonna take DeAndre Hopkins, he's gonna be sitting down. We're gonna sit down Kyler Murray. You know, let both of these guys rest up. They're not going to be able to go. Chase Edmonds is going to get hurt after carrying the ball just one time. You know, you you start to talk about all these things, and you're saying it out loud. There's no way you think that that's a recipe for a a Cardinals win.
0: Yeah on the on the shoulders of Colt McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah, the Cardinals the more they face adversity and keep coming out on top, the more I believe that they have been the real deal the entire season. And I just didn't want to see it probably through the first five or six games because I just didn't, I
1: didn't want to believe it, but I'm, I'm a believer at this point in time. You know, of course, um, the one time that I'm on, the Arizona Cardinals bandwagon is is the game that they lost. Every time I've written them this off, true. <laughs> they've, they've been, done nothing but come through. So I know that we have some listeners that will take our insight and throw some potato chips down on a game here and there. Do not listen to me when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals at all. Any other team, maybe. Arizona Cardinals, plug your ears for a minute. <laughs>
0: Yes, just just press a little on your iPhone when it's playing. Just press that little half circle that says 15 seconds forward. Good to go. Then you'll never know what Brandon chose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the Chiefs got it done barely over the Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers 13-7. to um, Jordan Love was the leading passer in this game with 190 yards. Just going to throw that out there.
1: I, it's it's almost become, you know, the le- weekly ritual that that we go through. And are we are we Patrick Mahomes
0: haters? Is that what we've turned into, Brandon? You know, I, I don't know. I want to be a Patrick Mahomes liker. <laughs> like you know, don't get me wrong. I I don't dislike the guy. I think I dislike the he can
1: do no wrong aspect that the media and fans put on him. And I think you said that perfectly. I think that what you and I try to do is be very balanced in our approach. And, you know, when we're covering these games and we're going through yet another game where Patrick Mahomes fumbled the ball twice and threw two interceptions, and I've got to read how the the Chiefs need to address their defense without one mention of Patrick Mahomes' shortcomings in the game, I think that does a disservice to a locker room. And mm-hmm. growing up and playing sports as you did, I'm sure you remember times where a situation like this would present itself and somebody who is put on a pedestal is not getting and, and getting all the positive accolades. Well, when things turned south, they weren't getting any of that shared team blame, and to me, I, I think that that's a easy, an easy way to divide the locker room. Now, with all of that being said, we don't know what's being said inside of the Chiefs locker room. Patrick Mahomes maybe be standing up g- saying, sorry guys, I got to play better, at which point in time there's no dissension that we're talking about, but I agree with you 100%. You read the headlines, you read the articles, and you would think that Patrick Mahomes is throwing for three hundred yards, four touchdowns. You know, and and things are good as normal in Kansas City. Yeah,
0: I mean, eleven targets and four receptions for Tyreek Hill. Eight for five. That's a normal. That's a normal stat line for for Travis Kelsey. But eleven targets and four receptions is. That's again, that's that's the biggest the biggest differential of the week from quarterback to receiver for targets and receptions. Yeah. And that again, if you're looking at the box scores and you're not watching the game, that tells you all that you need to know. Patrick Mahomes is still not playing fundamental football. He's still just throwing it up. And Hit a passer rating of seventy four point eight. He was only sacked one time, so you can't say, "Oh, well, the Packers were getting at him all day." They got at him. One, they got to him one time. If you're getting at the quarterback all day long, you're going to come up with more than one sack. Yeah, that that's just how that that's how football works.
1: And Danny, you're nailing it. I mean, it's the thing is too. The Kansas City Chiefs have a top ten passing blocking unit in terms of their offensive line. I mean, they they're giving him time. So I I and it's confusing with the the Tyreek Hill thing too because to your point, 11 targets for only four receptions. You know, it's not like the, it's this, these guys first year playing together.
0: Right. Yeah. This is their third season or fourth third and a half, I guess technicallys playing together, but it's
1: not new, not at all. So I, <laughs> I'm going to ask you because we've covered it each year or each week. Um, so what do you see for these next few games out of Kansas City?
0: I mean, they they're all at this point they're all must win games. Like if I'm if I'm looking at it, they have, they're going to Las Vegas to play against the Raiders. As we said, the Raiders are still a good team. The Raiders just have so much crap going on outside of the football field that at some point we knew it was going to catch up to them and it would be hard to focus. They still didn't play bad against the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants are better than everybody thinks they are. And that's where your difference was in that game. And then they go to Dallas on the uh, on week eleven. That's always that's going to be a hard game. Dallas lost again. Dallas's loss against Denver, is exactly as you said. That's a throw the tape in the fire. Move on. Bad day at the office. Couldn't get things going. Suck it up. Take the take it right on the chin and move on to the next one. Dallas. These two games. Are very very easy losses for Kansas City if they play the way they've been playing this season. Kansas City could go into their bye five and six. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I I think you broke that down perfectly. The only saving grace for them currently is that the Los Angeles Chargers are five and three, the Las Vegas Raiders are five and three. And they're sitting there at five and four. Mm. Now, you just went through the gauntlet that they have to go through. They've got the toughest remaining schedule in the entire NFL. The,
0: the, the, only, the only easy week they have is week 12. And that's because they're on a bye. <laughs> they, they, they go to Las Vegas, host Dallas, host Denver, host the Raiders. They've got a little three game home stretch which could play to their benefit, but then they go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. They host the Steelers who are still playing well. They figured out how to play around Big Ben's wonky arm. Then they host, they're going to Cincinnati and then to Denver. This, like you said, this is a gauntlet for the Kansas city chiefs and almost to the point where like, you you definitely need to almost win out to to prove that you're still a powerhouse team in the AFC,
1: let alone the entire NFL. Absolutely. I cannot say anything that you did not say. I think you you nailed it. Well, still send your hate tweets to @bgunwmu. <laughs> uh <laughs> the Sunday
0: Night Cap Brandon I'll get into some thoughts about you know who in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty eight to sixteen, the Tennessee Titans took care of business. Missing Derrick Henry, they went into a hostile environment. Sunday night football was this the Matthew Stafford that the Lions
1: fans wanted to see? Uh, well, it's it's the Matthew Stafford that we have seen um, in in stretches for sure, and. I was wondering if that Matthew Stafford was going to show up at all this season because up to this point it didn't look like he it, he was going to make an appearance.
0: I mean, he's still he's still third overall in MVP candidate odds currently. You know, both teams are 7 and 2. You know, if you take away those two picks, he just thirty one of forty eight, two ninety four. That's not a bad stat line at all to have. I I, I think the difference for this game was Cooper Cup. <laughs> Cooper Cup having a pedestrian eleven catches for ninety five <laughs> yards is not. That's that's that <laughs> that's not normal. You know, the 11 catches, sure, but 95 yards is like, it's like 100 yards less than what we're used to seeing from Cooper Cup. And the defense, the defense didn't do a whole lot, man. And that's what I think is, you know, we heard the entire week, oh, Von Miller's going to be active. Oh, boy, they got the big three now on defense with Donald and Miller and Jalen Ramsey. And they lost. They, they lost the game to the Tennessee Titans, who are, I mean, they're, the Titans aren't bad. They're both seven and two, like I said earlier, but 11 targets, five receptions for A.J. Brown. That's your leading pass catcher for the Titans. Six incompletions his way. You know, they couldn't get it done on the ground. Foreman had 29 yards. McNichols had 24 yards. Adrian Peterson coming back led the team in snaps, 10 carries. He only had 21 yards. Ryan Tannehill didn't real 19 of 27 for a buck 43.
1: Uh, I, I, so I think you're doing a great job of breaking the game down. Um, what uh
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, I'm just trying I'm trying to find the holes in like an argument here, but it, it's hard.
1: So I think what you saw was Tennessee execute a game plan perfectly, and that is play opportunistic defense, you know, turn over the ball a couple times. One of those went back for a score, sack mm-hmm. Stafford five times for 40 yards. Now you're getting down a distance to where you know these are going to be tough first downs to pick up and you know just be able to bleed the clock we were talking about and we have been talking about Baltimore's running game it, it, the running game for the Tennessee Titans this past game hey welcome back Adrian Peterson it's like right <laughs> <what?
0: Yeah. laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Hey, thanks. I'm waiting for like (laughs) LaDanian Tomlinson and, you know, a couple other guys to, you know, just latch on with a team or something. But you've got Adrian Peterson, who carried the ball 10 times. He didn't do much. He scored a touchdown, which was his, I believe, 125th rushing touchdown that puts him on a select list. But he he wasn't lighting the world on fire today. Deonta Foreman, who hasn't. Caught on it with a team really since tearing or rupturing his Achilles back when he was with Houston. He, you know, he's been worked out by a ton of different teams and hasn't caught on with anybody. He gets five carries in this offense, and then Jer- Jeremy McNichols, which really is their third down pass catching back behind Derrick Henry, carries the ball for seven yard or seven times. Um, so I think that here we're looking at just twenty two rushes to keep that. Clock bleeding, and an opportunistic defense that, like you said, we we have seen that script play out so many times against the Lions, and Matthew Stafford coming up short because of it.
0: I know the Lions fans are eating it up. You know, Stafford can't win against good teams. I I don't think anybody did anything to help him. I'm not I'm not going to be a Stafford apologist. He played he played. Not that great, you know he he played his game plan he played exactly how you would have expected him to play, looking cooper cup's way the most, finally getting robert woods involved for the for the second straight week 90, 98 yards receiving for robert woods, but outside of that that was pretty much it you know daryl henderson has been a he's been a pretty prominent pass catching back for the Rams. Four targets, three catches, three yards. So non-existent. Got it. Okay. So, you you know, then 11, 11 carries for 55 yards. The Tennessee Titans defense is finally playing to the level that they were expected to play. Over these last, what, three, four games, they've been turning it up and turning it up and turning it up and going, okay, this is the Titans defense that we were expecting to see with Kevin Bayard Picking off balls and taking them to the house. Not an upset, though. I don't. I, I I guess
1: technically you could call it an upset, but I wouldn't call it an upset. No, I I think that what you see is you know a Tennessee Titans team that's trending up, and you know was this how sustainable is their recipe? We'll find out, but they they definitely executed a game plan to perfection and. The, the Rams had little to no answers. Well, do you want to change your game
0: pick tonight, having seen what we saw yesterday? Steelers are still favored by a touchdown with seven points over the Bears tonight for Monday Night Football.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, aside from uh, all of the upsets this weekend, I am really curious – how many survivor pools were decided yesterday?
0: <laughs> oh, jeez! I'm. Sh- oh, yeah. I I.
1: Yeah, for sure. But um, no, I, I've got to think that the we we get back from the Twilight Zone and and get back to normal football tonight. I, I've still got Pittsburgh one because it's as a Detroit fan, it's fun to watch Chicago lose. But two, I, I just think that we've seen what happens to Justin Fields. When there's a defense swarming him. And I think that Pittsburgh, much like Tennessee in the last game that we talked about, Big Ben's not chucking the, game, the ball around like he used to. And I think that they understand that th- this game plan is going to have to go through the Pittsburgh defense and then Najee Harris. And yep. so I- I'm going Pittsburgh and Uh, I think that this is just going to be a hard hitting bloodbath of a game. I think the over under is set at 40 and I I think it's going to be under that.
0: Yeah, I think it will. I I think it'll be a lower scoring game. Um, I mean, the, the last time they played was 2017 and guess what their point total was 40 (laughs) (laughs) fun fact for you guys. Um, The Bears actually lead the all-time series 19-7, but I think they go uh, on (laughs) 19-8 tonight. (laughs) Um, The the thing that I've noticed the most about the Bears is the best that they've looked all season was last week, and Matt Nagy was not available to coach. (laughs) I mean, they looked great last week. They really did. You know, they they ended they they still lost to San Francisco, but they looked good and Matt Nagy was not the coach. And I think that's where it starts and ends for the Chicago Bears. I don't think Matt Nagy is a good coach, especially for a young quarterback in Justin Fields. Justin Fields may not pan out in the NFL. He could he he could be the 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 classic case of a, of an OSU quarterback not panning out. Just like the Alabama quarterbacks typically don't pan out. But Matt Nagy is not the guy for Chicago. I still like Pittsburgh in this. I, I think Mike Tomlin outcoaches Matt Nagy tonight, and that's the difference.
1: That Yeah, I, I think that that's perfectly said. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the comments so, <laughs> Real quick. So when you were talking about Matt Nagy not being available and – That being, in your mind, the difference, and you were just saying how the team played the best without him. You know what went through my head? The office space, the movie, the part where he goes, it's a jump to conclusions, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right. How is it that your team plays the best when you're not around? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the guy that's supposed to be leading the entire squad,
0: the lead clown of the circus, Brandon. I mean, that's that tells me that tells me everything that I needed to know about Matt Nagy. I already knew he wasn't the guy in Chicago, and I think most Bears fans knew he wasn't the guy to lead Chicago. But yep, yep, not 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 the guy. <sighs> most of these teams, when they're court, when their head coach is missing they'll play tougher they always do but they usually that's about it they'll play tougher they usually they're on the losing side like I said I know the Bears lost to the 49ers but they were up for the most of that game and they looked good on all fronts and 49ers just started pulling stuff out of the uh, out of the the bag of tricks there with Eli Mitchell and uh, yeah it's man Matt, Matt Nagy... You're welcome, Bears fans. Matt Nagy, you got to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Speaking of got to go, I think the producer is uh, telling us it's time. Oh, you saw that I too, did. huh? I did. <laughs> I was.
0: <yeah. laughs> I just saw that too. Well, I guess that is going to do it. I'm glad you caught it this time. That's going to do it. Week nine recap. Enjoy Monday night football, Brandon, and I will be back two short days Wednesday night we're coming back to your preview in all of week 10's game I am Danny and I am Brandon and we will catch you down the road